Welcome to the Innovation Engine Podcast. I'm Will Sherlin, and on this week's episode, we'll be looking at innovation and advanced technology. Why we'll soon find ourselves in the post-development language world, what it means when we talk about being in the age of micro-framework systems, and what skill sets will be most important for developers, product managers, marketers, and members of the C-suite to possess five years from now. Here with us today to discuss all that and more is Adi Chikara, a technology strategist and part of the Advanced Technology Group here at Three Pillar Global. In his role with the Advanced Technology Group, Adi is responsible for helping drive Three Pillars R&D efforts, providing technical mentorship across the organization, shaping our technology strategy as a company, and executing on technical consulting engagements for clients. Prior to joining Three Pillar, Adi held key research and consulting roles in European Union-funded research endeavors. In the private sector, he has served in various technical roles at Reuters and in product roles at multiple startups. When he's not creating world-changing products, you can find him at the local motor racetracks, breaking lap records. Welcome to the podcast, Adi. Hey, well, thanks. Absolutely. So excited to talk with you about the advanced technology group at Three Pillar and advanced technology in general. Let's start off with a question that we were talking about in the in the prep call for the podcast. You're of the opinion that we're getting away from the point where developers can specialize in a specific coding language like Java or .NET. Why do you think that's the case? Right. So what we have seen in the industry is when you're solving different business problems, you really are solving it with different technologies. And there's no best technology to solve a given problem. It's always, you know, it, your problem is broken down into chunks. And what is the best tool to fix that chunk? Now, traditionally, companies have been doing it by giving the responsibility of these different chunks to different teams or different individuals. Now, as more and more of these tools come out in the market that really solve one specific problem in a great way, it's very hard from a cost factor to implement a strategy of having all these different individuals and teams. And we, if you talk about in a, you know, a simpler way, imagine Java and .NET being screwdriver and a spanner where they are great and they are needed, but in order for an engineer to be useful, they really need to carry around the entire toolbox in order to fix problems rather than just one tool. And that's really what we're seeing in the industry happening right now. And so on that note, you talk about us being in an age of what you call, quote-unquote, micro-framework systems. So when you talk about micro-framework systems, what does that mean? Right. So, and yeah, as we were talking before, all these uh, different chunks of problems that have been solved there, traditionally what you would do is you would solve this in a big ball of wool and just wrap around, round and round, where everything is dependent on each other and works together well, but that's about it. Um, what this tends to do is this tends to uh, create such a massive system that it's hard to kind of you know, update, hard to build upon. And this is what we have seen in a lot of industries, example being the airline industry, where the ticketing system is about 30 years old. 
and no one wants to upgrade it. So what we have seen moving forward, people prefer to solve a given problem in a more of a chaining way rather than dependent way. And what that means is I will build a very small component or module that solves my problem, but rather than it being dependent on my entire ecosystem, I'll build it that it can be bolted on to my system, but if I take it out, the system still works. And in such a way, you have, you're building these hundreds and thousands of different modules that can be used cross products, cross business problems, and you just have a more scalable system, you have a more tested, more better, and overall just more maintainable system. And as you move forward, you're upgrading the systems by just upgrading small, small pieces. And yeah, it just works really well, what we have seen in the industry so far. And engineers love it, business owners love it, so it's a win-win for all. Okay, nice. So one thing that we seem to hear a lot about in the software space these days is quote-unquote as-a-service offerings. So it started off with software as a service. You also hear about platform as a service and infrastructure as a service and seemingly everything as a service these days. So is this a trend that you see proliferating? Definitely. Uh, and back to that small modules thing, you'll see so many as a service coming up that whenever I come up with a business problem or business idea, I just go there, connect 10 different as-a-service systems and my problem is solved, or even hundreds of thousands. Now, one key difference that I see moving forward is, as of today, all of these as-a-service systems work on a hosted behavior, whereas as an owner, um, I can access this as-a-service, but it is hosted by the provider that is giving that service. With the in introduction and the growth of cloud, I see that changing a bit. Like the cloud allows you to manage infrastructure so easily and scale so easily. We are seeing a trend where this as a service system is more of the case of, hey, here is a machine on the cloud. I've installed my service on it and I'm just shipping it to you. And then you at one click, you can add it to your infrastructure. And there we go. So we, we're going to see more of self-hosted um, you know, systems of what the as a service industry is. And yeah, I guess that's where the industry is heading. And it makes sense as well, because enterprise don't want the hassle of you know, having dependencies externally. They want everything to be hosted themselves and have control over it, which has valid reasons behind it. Okay, and, and so for listeners like myself that may not be super technical, what, would a pro what might a product look like that has 10 different as-a-service offerings or a few different as-a-service offerings kind of cobbled together to create one either consumer or enterprise level product? Well, anything really, but uh, let's, let's take an example. Let's talk about Airbnb, which is uh, you know, a site where you can go and get accommodation. Now imagine that where the actual, uh, the property hosting is being uh, you know, handled by uh, say uh, a, a hosted provider that just does uh, property, the login and all is being done by identity provider. Your scalability is done by a, you know, a cloud provider. Your uh, all the actual transactions is being done by a payment provider, and all of these are as a service. And you know, at the end, you just bolt all of these on, and yeah, you you get your site up and running in half an hour, and yeah, you go out have a drink and. That's and it. then you come Made back and you have a, and you have a two billion dollar valuation. It's it's that easy, That's right? That's it. <laughs> That's easy. 
Um, okay, so so let me ask you a little bit about web development. Maybe not you know super heavy advanced technology, but I have a little bit of experience with a platform called Squarespace that I've used to set up a a career site for Three Pillar that will be going live here in the next two to three weeks. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it may be live at careers.threepillarglobal.com. There are also others out there like it. Uh, Ghost.io is one that you have some experience with. Uh, another company you mentioned that is going to be uh, live soon-ish is called the Grid.io, which will use artificial intelligence to kind of create websites for people based on what they want that site to do. So, I guess first of all, can you talk a little bit about this this concept of of web frameworks and how they kind of ease web development for the the layperson? And 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 then I have a follow up question about whether or not that should make web developers fear for their own existence. Right. So, uh, and such systems are not new. You know, uh, we had all these systems quite from the really 90s now, uh, where the aim was someone who's ne- not that technically advanced can come in and create something. And um, what traditionally has happened and has evolved into today's Squarespace is um, you give the power to the user normally through an uh, interface, a GUI, that the users can make decisions on what they want, but, and it's more of a templated decision of, okay, if not this, then that's a, like a multiple choice scenario. And at the end, you know, you reach a point where you can do your own site. The grid.io, uh, or, or at least where the vision behind it and where the industry is moving, is giving users options and still asking them is great, but at the end you're still asking you know, people to take decisions they might not always have the best idea about. You're asking them to make design decisions or make you know, other decisions which probably you know, it's not that obvious to them. So what they have been doing, the grid.io or what the industry is moving to do is build more on um, getting information from the user as to what they need and then using AI to give you the output of, hey, we understand your need, and this is what we think is great for you. Uh, and it's what this helps you is <clears throat> everything not, doesn't look like everyone else, because most people would just go on Squarespace and click on the most uh, you know, uh, used template and go with it. So this gives you more uniqueness. It helps you also get a, you know, a sense of you know, ownership of this is something I have, and probably, you know, uh, I can grow on and not something everyone does. And it really helps that speed time as well because the more questions you ask someone, the more easily they would go away. And if it's really just a matter of, hey, tell us your need and here's the output and maybe you know, try two different, three different outputs and you know, that much, two question limit, that's where more and more people would jump on this button and you, know, you would see a lot more sites and better looking sites. Uh, of individuals and small business owners. Yeah, and and I assume your answer is going to be no. But do you think that that uh, services like these you know, threaten the very existence of you know of, of the web developer out there that's you know coding in HTML and CSS and Angular JS and Node.js and and whatever other technologies may be you know powering the web platforms of today. So um, in the short term, probably not. 
but in the long term where this becomes the norm and as a Star Trek type, we, as a species, we become more technically advanced. What I see is you're going to have a pyramid structure. We even have the pyramid structure right now where you have you know, really expert developers, you know, mid-range developers, and then really, really, really basic developers. As we become more technologically advanced as an industry and as a whole, what we would notice to see is that people still don't want to do things on their own, even if it's like just clicking buttons and they would like push this off and you'd see the basic level developers still having stuff to do because, you know, doesn't matter how basic things are, people would still push it. You'd have expert level developers would have to do it because they are building these AI systems that support all of this. Right. And I, I do fear that the mid-range developer at that point would either have to step up their game or just come down to that basic level. And, you know, that they, they might have a problem with their job. But yeah, that, that's really long term. I guess we, it would easily take us a decade to get to that point, though. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Advanced Technology Group, Audi, because that's, that's one of the reasons why you're here, and it's the, the topic that we're talking about. What is the ATG, and what was it formed to do? All right, so uh, ATG is a small group at 3PIL, and our job is to provide technical leadership to our product teams, to our clients, to our prospect, and even to the market as a whole. And how we achieve this is we help educate our teams and clients on our latest technologies, what's new in the market, and really help them solve their business problems in the best way possible and make the right technical decisions and not make those, you know, keeping in mind the knowledge of, I guess, five years ago. And that's really what ATG is all about. Sure. And, and when we talk about advanced technologies, what would be some examples of, of you know, either frameworks or languages or platforms that we are kind of looking at? Right. So um, some of the like the more recent stuff that we have been doing is around uh, web sockets where bi-directional, you know, always on communication, uh, more layman terms is you can chat in real time and, you know, uh, without actually having to send and wait for receiving ends. So those kind of things or real-time stuff has been uh, quite the topic around. Uh, on, a, on a more technical detail, we have been looking at uh, you know solutions around not so new as a programming language, but still picking up right now called Lua. And there's a framework in it called Torch where you do a lot of uh, uh, you know computational stuff. Uh, this is something even Facebook uses for this facial recognition. And we are using the same system to solve some of our business problems as well. Is, as I said, these are some examples. And not all of them are new. But what the difference is, these are the ones that are stable enough and picking in the industry. So it's good for our clients to start using them. Sure. And, and one thing I feel like I hear often around here, and, and you and I have a little bit of experience working on a, a team for a, a product that we're, that we're working on or a website that we're working on called PDS Insights is uh, continuous deployment. De- DevOps is the, uh, is the phrase that's been bandied about in the hallways here at Three Pillar a lot as well. Uh, is, uh, is, is, are you guys working on DevOps type stuff and, and how to uh, recommend that customers continually launch new products to market or updates to products to market? Yeah, so we do have some you know, uh, expertise there as well. We, we try to share with our clients. 
Uh, normally, that it's just more on the lines of using uh, existing tools out there in the most efficient way possible. So we have started uh, doing Chef and Puppet deployments, which are tools for you know, uh, CI. We have uh, Jenkins was one of the most famous and still is uh, as a, a CI tool, but we have started um, you know, deploying more into different solutions, one of the ones being Travis. Uh, again, you know, just uh, things that are coming up and are really uh, solve different problems. But yeah, depending on uh, the business problem, we have started suggesting different solutions. And it's, you know, we have seen some good results. Uh, an example being a combination of uh, Travis and Chef resulted in a continuous deployment where uh, uh, entire feature was being released to production uh, in less than one day cycle. So I guess that's pretty much pretty good continuous deployment. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So in, let let me ask you about the skill sets that you think will be most important for developers to possess in let's say five years. So looking forward in the technology space, what do you think will be the most important things for developers to be able to do? You know, in in a few years' time. So the industry that we are in, it's really quite fast-paced. And to stay relevant, you really need to keep updating your skills almost every two years, if not every year. So it would be a case of you know, whatever technology is there that you really need to ramp up to. But I guess at the end of the day, um, going back to one of our previous questions, it would be you'd have developers would have to increase their tool set to a broader you know, technologies in order to stay relevant in the industry. Okay, so everyone in the software development space talks a lot about Agile these days, Adi. What do you think makes Agile so attractive to developers and product owners? Or should I say, is it attractive to you as a developer? So there are different um, you know, points of Agile and how people interpret it and how they use it. The most important piece that I understand from Agile and I use it in practice is the capability of changing your direction very, very quickly. So as a developer, if you, know, you build on something and after six months down the line you have built this gigantic system and then you realize it's not fulfilling your business needs moving forward, then that's really you know, uh, quite a bummer. And if you are more, hey, I've built a system in like a day and you know, I share it and then I realize, hey, this is not what the business wants, throwing that away and starting from scratch doesn't hurt that much. So that capability of really throwing stuff away, starting from scratch and changing direction very, very quickly, I guess that's a real benefit to engineers and to actual business as well of Agile. And everything else is more process-oriented in my opinion, of how you achieve it. Okay, so Adi, I've asked a lot about developers to this point, but let me ask about kind of bigger picture product owners, business people, you know, folks that are in marketing or product development or even in the C-suite. What do you think are the important skill sets for them to develop over the course of the next five years as they look to kind of make sense of all the different technologies that are out there and how they can have an impact on their business? I guess uh, the skills would still remain what they are today, but more be educated on you know, what's coming, what's new. 
So it's more about having the knowledge of what the new things are, how they can benefit you, um, not necessarily understand how the internals of something work. Uh, so that's really it. If they keep doing that, and more importantly, if they keep their vision straight as to what, whatever the field is, specifically the sea level, if they understand the end goal, the vision they want to achieve, they focus on that, they would always be able to figure out how to achieve that technically. Uh, technology would never block them to achieve something. So yeah, keep doing what they're doing. Just understand more of the tech world, but don't get into internals. That's not worth it. Yeah, and, and it sounds like lay out a clear vision for what you're expecting a, a product to do and what benefit you're expecting expecting it to provide. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you about one of your recent blog posts that you wrote for the Three Pillar website, Adi. Uh, it was about the power of images and how what we're doing with them has changed over time. And it looks at things like the HoloLens or the HoloLens from Microsoft. I guess HoloLens would be, would be how you pronounce it. And Oculus Rift. Um are you, are you excited to see what comes of either of these products, or do you think that until they come in a smaller form factor, like not something that you wear on your face, it won't really catch on with a huge audience? Well, what I see with these two specifically is, even though they might not be that you know, finessed out, they're still pretty great. And what we have seen, how people have reacted to technology with the launch of Apple Watch and some of uh, the smartphone technologies like Nest, we know that people are investing in technologies if it helps them. And in a way, I really feel um, these products would help an individual connect better, you know, share their movements better. And that, yeah, there's the value enough that these would pick, off, pick up right off the bat. And obviously, as the technology goes, they would become better over the time and more and more people would join in. Yeah, you know, I know you're a big NBA fan, and uh, I heard on a recent podcast that I was listening to, one of the general managers from one of the franchises was talking about some of the possibilities of, of Oculus Rift. You know, you could, you could, you're in India, you could wear an Oculus Rift and feel like you're watching the game courtside, which definitely opens up some pretty new and exciting possibilities. Oh, yeah, definitely. And playoffs are coming, so I want to watch playoffs on Oculus Rift. That's the goal. <laughs> Okay, nice. Well, Adi, we're getting a little low on time. Any final parting words of wisdom on the technology platforms of today and tomorrow that you think listeners should ponder as they go out and look to build innovative new products? All right. Um, one thing that I've noticed is uh, in, when you're looking for systems uh, out there as a service or when you're looking at technologies, try to evaluate them from your perspective of how you feel about it. Get a technical guy involved if you're from the business side and see the internals of it. But don't go with the masses. Don't only select something because it's popular. Because 99% of the time, that's not the best thing. So that would be it. Keep that in mind. Okay, nice. Well, Adi, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, let's see, where, where can folks find you, Adi? AdiOdds.com? Uh, not really on like uh, our website basis. I'm more of a social media guy. So Twitter, Addy underscore ads. That's really most of my you know time goes in. So yeah, just hook me up there. Okay, nice, good deal. Um, well, Addy, thanks so much for joining us this week to talk about advanced technology. Thank you, Bill. It was great. 
If you'd like to learn more about Adi Chikara, you can follow him on Twitter at at Adi underscore odds. That's at A-D-I underscore A-D-S. You can also find him on GitHub at at Adi dash odds. Thanks once again to Adi Chikara for joining us this week. And thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to tune into next week's episode when we're excited to have Greg Sattel on the podcast to talk about managing innovation. We'll look at what given enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow means, what network science tells us about how to create organizations that run smoothly, and how to know what kind of innovation your company is best equipped to pursue. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. The Innovation Engine podcast is recorded, produced, edited, and published each week by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. For more information on the company or our services, please visit our website at www.threepillarglobal.com.